don't be afraid to be a leader. Don't be afraid to speak out on things. Don't be afraid to ask questions or be inquisitive and, you know, make an impact because I think we kind of feel there's, there's some fear there and there's anxiety when you use your voice and you express yourself and fear of being wrong or, or people not understanding you. But I think the time is now to, to really use your, your platform and use your voice to empower other people. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Delaware College Scholars Podcast. On today's Joel Embiid episode, we are joined by the legend himself, Jewel Brown. Jewel was kind enough to join us and really just share his story from Lower Marion to Dickinson, transferring from Dickinson to NYU, navigating this crazy job market in COVID-19, and ultimately his career goals and aspirations in the sports marketing space as he begins his career as a brand consulting assistant at CAA. As always, if you could subscribe, rate, review the podcast, that would be great and share it with any friends or family you may have. Thanks so much, and let's rock. We are now joined by someone that has tremendous sports takes, is a great hooper in his own right, and most importantly, a phenomenal person, Jewel Brown. What's up, man? Hey, Jake. How are you? Good. I'm excited to have you on and share your story. We're going to dive into a lot today, and I want to go way back to start. So as someone that had been successful academically at Lower Marion, Dickinson, and NYU. I'd like to know who stressed the importance of education to you early on in your life. I've always felt like I've had an infinite capacity to learn. I've always been an avid reader. I just remember picking up books and also like starting like really as young as like three or four, like working on writing and eventually getting into writing stories and things like that. But I think it's been my family. They've, you know, kind of given me all the tools and resources. But, you know, I remember those days going into a bookstore and taking books out and buying books and things like that with, like, my grandfather or my mom. So I would say my family, but I really have always been, had a curious mind and been interested in learning. Part of how we connected in college was through hoops and – more so than that, just your love of all sports and all things Philly in particular. So who passed down your love of Philly teams to you? Definitely my grandfather. I can't stress enough how, how many how many hours we've watched of just sports in general. You know, we've always paid attention and, you know, he passed in 2016, but it was really him. And from a Philly standpoint, like that time period from like 2013 to when he passed, I was just telling my mom this the other day, like, when the Phillies were, were bad, he was there for every game. Every single game, even those late-night West Coast games, he was watching. And for us, it's like, all right, well, we knew they weren't good. But for him, that, that was just his way of – he was Philly to the core. So that was his way of keeping in touch. And then it just gradually passed down to me. Grandparents are special like that, man, because unfortunately I'm an Orioles fan because of my grandmother. Like, I I was uh, forced to watch too many B.J. Serhoff and Melvin Mora at-bats to count. But, uh, yeah, I still have – Today at the tie. Uh, what's up? 
we tied today. That, so well, yeah, I mean, I the the Orioles over under I believe was at sixty four, and uh, and for those gambling uh, men and women out there, I would just hammer that under. Um, back to you and your story. So after your time at Lower Marion, you attended. Dickinson College for two years, and you decided to transfer. So can yep. you just tell me what went into that decision and how challenging was it to leave knowing that you would have to start over somewhere else again? Yeah, so before I got to Dickinson, I was in a tough spot because, you know, I was long, no longer committed to Penn. So in that time period, all the schools that had recruited me previously once I committed to Penn my junior year, you know, that kind of stopped. And so around March, when I decommitted, I was kind of stuck. So it was either going to a Division One school that may not have been the right fit for me academically or going to prep school. And I think for me, I was just ready to get started with school. Like, I wanted to be a student, love basketball, but I just knew that the ball would stop bouncing at some point. And so I wanted to be somewhere – where I could be challenged and I can also be in an environment where I was able to learn. And so I really think, you know, Coach Soretti and, and admissions in particular, when I was looking to enroll, it was kind of late in the game. But I, I think what made me choose Dickinson is they, they saw me for more than an, an athlete. And again, I, I love the game of basketball, but when I went and, and visited and had those conversations, I felt like I was valued for who I am and not necessarily what my contributions were on the basketball court. So, you know, I did two years at Dickinson, had a great time, made some lifelong connections and friendships and got to meet you and, you know, we're doing this right now. But I think I've always had in the back of my mind what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be. And I thought there would be no better place to, to challenge me on that journey than New York City. It's very intense and you know, when you step outside your door, like everyone's going to, to do something. Everybody's going to go get whatever it is. So I think that forced me to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And so I made that decision at 20 years old, but I just knew that it would get me to where I wanted to be today. And you had the full support from family to do so and make that leap? That's what made it easier. You know, when I got accepted, I was in, what was I? I think I was in Earth Science. I was in Earth Science. Oh, okay. All right. I called my mom, and I said, you know, like, I, I got in, but I think I'm comfortable here, and um, I could do another two years here. And, I, you know, she gave me the confidence. She said, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. Like, you have to go chase your dream. And I think she knew that that was the environment that I was looking toward and she knew that it would challenge me as well. So she gave me the confidence to, to move forward. And from there that just gave me the confidence to keep pushing it. You talk about going from Carlisle to New York city and sort of the idea of being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Um, I guess I want to know how crazy of an adjustment was that? And, and I may have this wrong, but, if you're attending NYU, you're kind of in the city, right? Yes. There's not much of a campus. Like, you're literally smack dab in the middle, in the heart of, of New York City. But, again, I think my experiences and, and all I've been through and, you know, my family support, it, it wasn't even a thought to me. 
I remember the first time I had actually gone by myself, I was going to work a week camp and I took the train up by myself and then I took the subway to West fourth. And then when I walked up, like it was like, I almost got dropped from the sky. Like you run into the basketball court, everybody's moving, shaking It's summertime. But I think for me, it, it was second nature. Like I knew that I was serving a higher purpose by being there. And, you know, I was doing something that was untraditional, but Again, I just knew that this was only going to help me in my development as a human being, and that's essentially all I, I wanted. So, it 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 wasn't really a tough adjustment because I feel like all that I've been through and you know those that have helped me get to where I am today prepared me for for a moment like that. While at NYU, you were able to find numerous internship opportunities working in the world of athletics and marketing. How did you make yourself stand out through this process? Um, I had an idea of what I wanted to do and kind of working in sports marketing and, and partnerships and kind of serving as sort of like a liaison for, for athletes. So I think from there, just knowing kind of what I wanted to do, understanding what resources were there in New York City. From an internship standpoint, you know, the majority of sports marketing, that sort of entertainment world is in New York City. So for me, it was just about making an effort to, like, reach out to people. And for me, like, I'm not the most vocal. But, again, I think making that move to NYU forced me to kind of, like, you have to kind of get going here because I was a junior. And most internships come in your junior and senior year. So I think from there, like, I was really doing, like, some small outreach and kind of understanding what resources were available. But then you know, when I applied to certain things and got rejected or didn't hear back in an email, I think that gave me even more motivation to like, all right, your, your time here, despite you being in New York city, there are millions of other people looking for the same opportunities. So it kind of forced me to like, you have to get on it here. And so from there I was just doing like cold outreach, like emailing any agencies that I could, could find trying to tap into any alumni that I could think of. But it was really just persistence. Like, I, again, I knew that all the people that have helped me get here today were rooting for me. And so it, it wasn't a time to relax. It was my time to really, you know, put myself out there. And, you know, I was fortunate. I had interned in Philly after my first year at NYU, but then summer going into my senior year, that's when I, uh, I applied to Wasserman Media Group and was able to secure an internship there. And so when you, like, those rejections and the getting those the internships that I had, that just gave me even more confidence to keep pursuing it. And then I landed another internship in the spring. COVID hit, still continued that out. And then I did another one in the summer. So it really was just, like, being persistent and making myself – putting myself out there. I appreciate you sharing that part of your journey, especially because I think a lot of students, people trying to find jobs, um, when they get those rejection letters are very quick to say, Hey, maybe this isn't for me. And you took the opposite approach where you're saying, Hey, this motivates me even more. I know athletics is something that I need to work in. So I'm going to go out and chase it. For you, how did those three internship opportunities and your experiences 
in those various places confirmed that the sports marketing industry was the place for you? I guess naturally I was drawn to sports and that marketing partnership world. I always make it a point to just be aware of what's going on in sports, entertainment, like who is making up this sort of culture today. And I was a sociology major, so kind of keeping up with people, relationships, what they respond to, where people were in the past and where they are today and kind of problem solving to, you know, make sure that challenges people face before don't happen again. So I really just think it, my, my, being a student athlete and, and being sort of in that those spaces and through the AAU market, I was really drawn to that. And, you know, basketball was my love. It, it is my love. Like, I, I can't tell you. Like, I feel I'm watching more games now than I have before, just given that, you know, I was in it. So for me, I was just like, this is a lot. Like, I need a break. But I think now, like, looking at the way – we talk about sports and the conversations we have centered around it and some of the things that go on and uh, the value of athletes, I don't think are as high as they should be. And I think we sort of take these human beings and that's the the key for me that these people are human beings and we kind of miss that sometimes. So for me, having been in those AAU circles, my love for sports that my grandfather passed down. And then with these internships, they again, just, put me on that path and, you know, I'm really interested in building brand partnerships and marketing deals eventually for, for athletes like myself. I've never felt more locked into the NBA. I finally bit the bullet and bought league pass. So I feel, I feel very, very locked in, but the important part there that you mentioned is the human being element and, and Timothy Farrell of the university athletic association in which NYU uh, belongs to, as a member of that conference, did a series titled UAA Conversations About Race and Racism and featured you and your journey. And in asking what advice you would give to other student-athletes of color, you stated, I wouldn't be here without the mentors or people in my life who helped me on my journey, from offering advice, making me meals, and giving me a couple dollars. That is why I am standing here. Find mentors and people you can go to with questions and be outlets. And... This resonated with me because our program, Delaware College Scholars, serves many students of color, and I know that oftentimes our scholars struggle with the transition from high school to college, and one of the biggest issues is attending a predominantly white institution for the first time and simply learning how to navigate these new waters. So I would like to know from you, What are some best practices for finding these mentors and people that you can go to with questions and be outlets for you? First of all, big thank you to Tim. Tim's that's my guy. You know, we have conversations often. I think that was the most important part, him giving me an outlet to to speak, right? I think a lot of times us as people, we spend so much time talking and we don't do a lot of listening or uh, being inquisitive and asking questions. So, you know, I was very fortunate to have that outlet. But at the same time, I understand that people who look like me don't have that outlet and don't have that access. I was very fortunate to grow up in Lower Marion Township, and it's predominantly white. But I think my relationships with others who don't look like me have always been 
smooth sailing is not the word, but I've, I've been fortunate to have relationships with people who don't look like me, white people in particular. But again, on the flip side of that, not many people who do look like me have access to be able to move out to Lower Marion Township and live out here and be exposed to the many different things. Or if they do live out here, you know, there's still a, there's a cultural divide. So I think for me, I've, I've been very fortunate and I acknowledge that, but I think it, it's important that we all extend outside of our bubbles and make it a point to get involved in communities where people don't look like ourselves, because I think it's very easy to sit back and have your life be, again, be comfortable and not really address some of the systemic issues that are going on in our country. So very thankful for, for Tim to provide me that outlet. But I think part of my reason for, for moving a major part for me moving to New York City and taking on that challenge of, of NYU is I wanted to be involved in those spaces so then I can come back and serve in underserved communities and expose them to some of the things that I've been exposed to that may, they may otherwise not be exposed to. So I think we as people, that is our duty, that we have to, to give back and we have to pay the work that has been given to us from our mentors and our families and things like that, pay that forward so that the next generation doesn't have to struggle with the, you know, the things that are currently going on in our society. Who are some mentors that you found along the way that helped you on your journey, maybe outside of your family? It's an endless list. I think it starts with coaches growing up playing basketball. I think even entering that space, like coaches who have been so instrumental to my life from AAU and even just small clinics and things like that, like having that presence in my life outside of the home was so important because it just gave me, again, the confidence to kind of move forward and keep pushing because I knew I had people in my corner. But also teachers. Uh, I, I really, my, my favorite teacher ever, Dr. Hodge, my English teacher, my senior year, she just retired. And you just you just remember certain things from, from that classroom and how they made you feel. And uh, I shared a ton of laughs in that classroom. And, you know, I felt valued. So I think mentors come in, in, in different forms. And I even think my friends are mentors. Like, I've had incredible friends and, and peers like yourself who have just, like, shown an interest in me and kind of understood me for who I am, not the sport that I played. And so that made it easier to then go on and, like you said, take that challenge of being in New York or doing those internships or now with the job I have. So there was never any doubt in my mind that I could do whatever it is, and, and even more so now because of my friends, my family, my coaches, my teachers. I'm just really thankful that they have sort of given me this blueprint to, to, to keep pushing. You mentioned earlier how you graduated from NYU in the spring of 2020 in the midst of the pandemic, and the Wall Street Journal did a really cool piece on you and a few other students who are in the job market highlighting how they were extremely difficult to come by. And we mentioned you had the three internships, but you had to move back home, living with your mom and your grandmother. And, and the piece mentions how you were interviewing for jobs out of your car at Lower Marion. And this time was obviously challenging. So I want to know how did you continue to stay motivated 
each day through rejection and knowing that many opportunities were closed because of the hiring freezes that companies went on. And in particular, this matters because we have a group of students, our, our cohort one students who graduated with you last spring and now our cohort two students who are graduating this spring who will go through, I would imagine, some similar struggles due to the pandemic. Yeah, the, the Wall Street Journal article was so amazing. And, you know, I thank Ellen Byron and Jeanette Fennell for thinking of me and including me in that. That's just, it's unheard of. And uh, I'm just so thankful. I don't really have a lot of words for that. But I don't know. I, I think having that support system and knowing that my mentors and my family and my mom in particular, like, she didn't drive around that AAU circuit for, for nothing. Like, I knew I had to make something of myself because I just spent all that time putting in that work and playing, but I also knew that, like, that basketball wasn't going to define me. So I think having had those internships and having been at NYU, my drive just became increasingly higher. I think when I played basketball, I didn't play to be the best player. I didn't play to go to the NBA. I think we all have those dreams, but I played because I enjoyed being around my teammates and I wanted to do everything I can to win, but also more importantly, to make sure that they felt that I was there for them. And so now as I you know, was entering the job market, I think that was when a switch kind of flipped. I think for the majority of my life, I was playing not to lose. And when I moved to NYU, I think I, that was a growth moment. But I think even when I had those internships and going into the pandemic, like I was now playing to win. I felt so much confidence in myself having had those experiences and just knowing that I had a super great support system behind me. Like there was no one was going to tell me no. And if you did tell me no, I'm going to make sure that you're going to pay for that, not pay for it, but like I'm going to end up somewhere because I didn't let those things affect me. And I had the blueprint. Like there's no, there's no way. So I think when that pandemic hit, it kind of forced me to understand that like life is very short and things can be taken away from you. And there were so many people who lost their job. And I think just understanding that I was trying to figure out other ways that I could uh, advocate for myself. So I think one day I went on LinkedIn and was just like, these are the companies that I could see myself working at. This is the area that I want to work in. Let me go reach out to certain people and just try it. Everybody's at home. So I think once I started getting those reply messages back and scheduling calls with people working for companies that I like had always dreamed of and companies you see every day, like having those conversations and being inquisitive and asking questions, that only encouraged me more to, to keep pushing. And so at the same time, I was doing an internship this summer, which was awesome. My boss, Jasmine Maeda, who's with Round 21, she put myself and the other two interns in contact with a bunch of people in her network. And I think from there, just having those conversations, it really encouraged me that I belong here. And so I kept chipping away, kept chipping away, reaching out, doing my due diligence. And then, you know, the Wall Street Journal happened. And then, you know, I was able to get some traction on full-time roles. But... 
I, that's just a credit to where I come from and, and who's been behind me. But I think, you know, this is a crazy time and understanding that nothing's guaranteed and, and things can be taken away. And I just knew that I never got down on myself, but I knew that one day an opportunity would present itself. Just I, I just knew it because I have been given the roadmap and people have instilled confidence in me to attack my dream. You mentioned it a few times in your previous answer. What's the roadmap? I think it's support. I spoke about my coaches and their instruction and attention to detail. My family, my mom, like I've seen my mom get up every day and just go at it, just work, right? And she's always just, she didn't really have to tell me. She she kind of gave me that model for what hard work meant. But she kind of just gave me that nudge, like, in order for you to get what you want, you have to apply some pressure. You have to stick your neck out there because the world's going to keep moving. Like, you did go, you went to NYU and you got the degree and you played, that's great, but no one knows who you are. You have to kind of continue to put yourself out there. So I think, you know, people like my mom and, you know, all the, the women in my life who have raised me and helped me get to this point, they've given that blueprint, that, that blueprint of hard work and determination and, and, and doing your due diligence. But they can give you the blueprint, but you have to follow through with that. And I think as time has gone on, I've become more confident in myself and I've just been more in tune with what I want. And because of that, I've just known that I have to work 10 times harder because the people that have been in my life work 10, 20, 30 times harder to give me that roadmap. And so it's what you do with that. That's how you obtain the things that you want. If you could take our listeners to the moment that you get the job offer, what's that like? Yeah. So during that time I was working two internships and I just, it was, it was a a no brainer for me to take on that responsibility because I just, all I know is the work and it would just give me the experience and it would just put me in contact with more people that can help me sort of diversify my, my resume, but also just, I would, I would gain more skills moving forward so that when a full-time opportunity came, that would happen. And so this full-time opportunity, it's, it, it, it was truly amazing this is a place that I've always kept in the back of my mind and I knew that it would challenge me. It's an institution like NYU where, you know, you got to kind of apply pressure and, and, and really get to it because there's a lot at stake here. Um, but again, I was always confident in myself. I just wasn't sure, you know, I wasn't sure when that opportunity would present itself, but I knew I'd be prepared just given all that I've been through. I, I think, you know, obviously I went to Laura Marion and, the, the anniversary of Kobe's death was a couple months ago. And I actually had an interview on that day, on that year anniversary. And, like, for that to be scheduled on that day, a day where, like, it was tough for me to process emotions and you think back to the, the moment where you were and who you're with, and it, it's uh, I'll probably never be able to process that. But there was something... 
there's something to be said about me having an interview on that day that I just, I just knew he was watching. Like I knew that like, this is going to be whatever, however it shakes out. Like I knew that I was prepared. And from there, about a, a week or so after that, I got the call. My mom was away for work. And even when I was doing those interviews, like I didn't tell anybody just because this was an opportunity that I wanted for a long time. And I just, I, I, I just had to lock in and be focused. Like I didn't want, I just didn't want to bring it up. I just knew like whatever happened, like I would know and be comfortable because I knew I did my best and I put in the work. So when it happened, it was surreal. But at the same time, I knew that I had been prepared for that and I wouldn't be denied because I wasn't prepared or because my work ethic wasn't up to par. It could have been a host of reasons, but to be offered that position and and be where I am is a dream, right? But now it's time to keep applying that pressure. Like the, the congratulations and the offer was great, right? But now you're in. Like now is the work and that's what I'm about. It's the work and I, all those years of playing basketball and uh, the schooling and COVID and all that, like I'm, I'm built for it. So now is the time to, to tap back into to what I said I was going to do is serve and, and be a representative of underserved communities. And so now as I work my way in, it's going to be a grind. It, it is a grind currently and, it's a lot of work, but I've been prepared. And I just know at the end of the day, I'm serving a higher purpose, which is my family, my mentors, my friends who have been supportive, but also those underrepresented communities that I plan on helping out in them. Have you allowed yourself time to reflect on everything that you've accomplished, whether it's graduating from one of the top schools in the country playing hoops at the division three level, high division three level, and now working for CAA as a brand consulting assistant. I know it's about the work and I know now that you're with CAA, it's about serving those underserved communities, but do you ever allow yourself to just soak it in a little bit and just reflect on everything that you've accomplished? No, I I just, I don't think of it that way. I I think when you ask me about like moving to New York and going to NYU and you know what that was like, I just I just did it, right? Cuz I knew it had to be done. And so I think the same thing kind of applies here. It's just like there's not really time to do much reflection. Like now I'm I'm, I'm in and now it's about proving my worth and just understanding that there are those who have helped me get here that are rooting for me, right? And so even the people who, who gave me recommendations for the job, they didn't have to do that, but they did it. And so because they did it, now it's my time to take the baton and, and run. I'm not, like, I'm not looking back on anything. Obviously, it's, 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 it's a great feeling. I think the only thing would be, like, for my family's sake and just knowing that, just being proud of where I come from and them just 
given me all the resources and anything I needed to help me get here. But no, I don't really, I don't really reflect. I just, I think I, I, I say to myself, like when I get up in the morning or there are days at work that are, are tough or when I get up and time to start the day, I always have to remind myself, like, it's, it's time to go. Like, it, it, it's time to go. There's no waiting. There's no, no, no hand holding. Like, I'm in. And now I have to keep, keep pushing because these days go by super fast. And I don't want to, I don't want a day to go by where I haven't given my all, but also I haven't stood for anything. Right. And so understanding what I stand for and, and, and who's helped me get here today, that, that is what I'm reflective of. But other than that, it's, I'm locked in. I'm very locked in right now. I appreciate you sharing all of that. And we're going to transition now to the fun portion of it. Mad Minute, Rapid Fire, Q&A, you and me. First question, favorite food? Favorite food, bacon and eggs. Best place to get a Philly cheesesteak in Philly? They're going to kill me for this. Best place is Jim's. Best cheesesteak, D'Alessandro's. Most underrated cheesesteak, Ishka Bibbles. You covered the, the, I whole, had to. the whole spectrum there. Uh, just, to co- just to cover your butt, huh? Um, I think you answered this question on Twitter today. I'm not sure. Best player you ever played against? Basketball? Yeah, basketball. Uh, see, this is... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get you in trouble, but I'm asking you to, you know, okay. make some make some challenging uh, decisions here, Jewel. Best player I've ever played against? Come back to me. We'll, we'll circle back. Okay. Circle back. Favorite practice drill? We call it, we call it at Lower Marion, we call it Patino. So that's just one on one, like cutthroat. That's my favorite. That's when that's when you really can find out who can defend and you know who's got there, who can get who can get to it in however many dribbles there are. Least favorite practice drill. You know, you know that what is it called? We call that lower marriage Notre Dame, but it's when you have three across both baselines and the guy in the middle runs full court, and you have to get a certain number in however many minutes. But when you don't get that number and then you have to keep I just it, – I can't get it. What's your favorite hoops memory? Hoops hoops memory that I've been – that I've been a part of was definitely state championship 2013. And then best hoops memory I've ever seen, game seven, 2016 NBA Finals. Unfortunate for Andre there. If yeah. we walked into a gym today and I rebounded for you underneath the basket and gave you 100 free throws, how many do you make? My, three, my free throws have been better. I would say 74. That's good. All right. 74. I've come a long way. It's, it's, it hasn't been easy. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Kareem. And then when LeBron stops playing, then I'll, I'll answer that for you. Okay. The 2021 NBA Finals matchup will be? Uh, Sixers-Lakers. 
Okay. I'll go Nets Lakers. In 10 years, I will be blank. Now you're going to make me show my age here. So 10 years, I'll be 35. Jesus. Um, at 35, I will be the best representative of the African-American community that I can be. Three words to describe yourself. Inquisitive. Compassionate. Goofy. And best player you ever played <laughs> against. Best player I've ever played against. Oh, man. I mean, I, 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 I guess naturally it's Rondé Hollis Jefferson just because huh. he... He he's he is where he is right now, sure. but besides him, okay. Can I say the greatest high school basketball performance I've ever seen? Sure, answer that's that a, one. That's an easier question. For okay, me. answer that one. I'm just leaving so many guys out. All right, here's what I'm gonna do. They I'm pro- gonna go. How about this? They probably won't listen, so you'll be okay. All right, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go top five players in the state of Pennsylvania. My top five. Okay. That being Rodney Hollis Jefferson, BJ Johnson, Steve Astoria, Ryan Archidiakono, and Raheem Hall. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And I know my father does as well. You put an arch on that list. We saw him play, I believe, his senior year in high school, and it was probably the greatest performance that I have ever seen live from a high school guy so I appreciate Arch making that top five Jewel Brown list this um, podcast is almost over now we have our ring the bell segment same two questions to end the pod for each guest first question for you what's one piece of advice you would give your 16 year old self I would say don't wait to lead right Uh, I think when you're 16 so that was like my sophomore year I think even being so young, like, I think young people have an opportunity to lead and stand for something and uh, express themselves and use their voice and their platform. I think we let too many things slide in our in our current state today. So I think I would tell myself, like, don't be afraid to be a leader. Don't be afraid to speak out on things. Don't be afraid to ask questions or be inquisitive and you know, make an impact because I think we kind of feel there's, there's some fear there and there's anxiety when you use your voice and you express yourself in fear of being wrong or or people not understanding you. But I think the time is now to to really use your, your platform and use your voice to empower other people. And the last question, what's your why? My purpose, when you asked me about where I'm, where I wanted to be in 10 years, I said, I wanted to be the best representative of my community I could be. And just flat out, I'm a black man. I'm a black male. And, you know, I love my community. I love black culture. So I think my why is just the black people that I've come in contact with. And, you know, those have inspired me to, to, to challenge myself and, and, and challenge others and challenge the standard. I just, you know, I, I'm so proud of who I am. And I'm proud of my people, and I'm going to do everything in my power to to make something of myself 
because I know that the people who have come before me are counting on me to be the proper representative, but also the generations after me who look like me. They need a platform. They need to have access to opportunities, and I'm going to do everything I can to provide those opportunities. Jewel Brown, you are the man. I know you have many other things that you could be doing right now, so I sincerely appreciate you taking the time, sharing your story, as it's one that our scholars can certainly learn from, and you are a guy that I will always root for, and yeah, man, I really, really appreciate you, so thank you. Thank you, Nick, man. You, uh, you know, you are one of those people who have been my, my mentors and my, you know, my outlet, so I, I, I thank you for giving me this platform, and I thank you for the work you're doing, and just having conversations with others, because it's really important. All right, man, stay safe, and we'll talk soon. Thank you.